Strive Coaching Studio, guiding business leaders to meet the highest version of themselves. And now, here's Michelle, certified coach and founder of Strive Coaching Studio. Hello, everybody. This is podcast number 15. Thank you for joining and congratulations for making the decision to listen to this today and listen to me and what I have to say. You're awesome. I'm really glad you're here. The fact that you are just tells me that you are already an amazing leader because it takes a lot for a person who to recognize that in order to be a great leader, we have to keep learning and we have to be willing to continue to improve ourselves and be become better. As our teams get better and better, their expectations of us also do. And I love to hold myself to a high standard and become very accountable to the kind of leader I want to be. And I've had just some really great experiences in my life to know what has worked well for me. And I'm really glad to share it with you. And while this may not be the, your style, and it may not be the way you want to take away this information and apply it for yourself, that's okay. What I, my hope is that it inspires you to come up with ways where it works really well for you. Maybe you come up with your own great ideas about how you can be um, a different type of leader or, or improve your leadership style and really just build an amazing team, which is ultimately the goal. So I want to share with you first that when I first began in my um, business 15 years ago, I was not in the position to pay a tremendous amount of money for the people I was hiring. We were in the middle of the recession and I was starting a brand new company. And unfortunately, that makes it tough to be paying high salaries or higher than industry averages. We definitely paid well, but we certainly weren't at the top. And for some of the people I was in the process of recruiting and trying to bring on my team, they were high-end individuals. I really prefer to have the best talent and the best people I can have on my team so that we can be set up for success. So even though it was in the middle of the recession, the people I was attracting were not people who had lost their jobs or were at risk of losing their jobs. In fact, I would suggest that them leaving the companies they were in, while financially probably was better for the company, I'm not sure they would have chosen these particular people to have left the company because I have a feeling it probably left them in a bad position to not have some of their best and most talented left afterward. And the reason I was able to attract these people had nothing to do with the money that I was offering them. Now, don't get me wrong, I am a firm believer in paying people very well and incentivizing them very well for the job that they do. I want them to have a tremendous amount of ownership and investment in the long-term success of our companies. And so I've always structured compensation plans accordingly. However, what I'm going to suggest to you is that you won't always have that opportunity. You're not always going to have the ability to pay the, the top dollar or be able to offer the highest incentive packages or compensation packages. And so the benefits that you offer and the value that you offer as a company and as a person is going to become super valuable to the people that you are going to attract. Many times they will choose to work with you 
regardless of the fact that you are not the top paying company or the best offer necessarily from a financial standpoint. You have to have more than that. And so what I'm suggesting to you is if you can start in including some of these leadership styles and practices into how you lead your teams and your people, you're going to create a loyal following for life, regardless of the financial ability that you have. And that is so valuable. So understanding the reasons why people want to work for you and understanding what is valuable to people is such a key component of a compensation package and a decision for why people come to work for you. They are investing in you and you need to understand why and what is important to them. So listen, you know best what kind of leader you want to be and what type of environment you want to create in your organization. You already have all the answers within you. There are no right or wrong ways of doing things. I love sharing my ideas. I know what has worked really well for me and what didn't work well for me. So whatever choices you decide you want to implement for yourself, my job is to help you explore finding all of your answers. And then I can help you through the process of attaining exactly what you want. We have all the steps. We have the resources. We have tools. We have everything neatly outlined. We have the processes and the procedures and everything you're going to need to be able to take it away and put it into action. But more importantly, and the most important value that we offer you is that we're going to help you with all the details. When you have obstacles, when there are challenges that arise that, are com- that come up and prevent you from getting where you want to go, or when you're busy and things are going in all directions, that's when it can be the most difficult to stay the course. That's when the challenges really show themselves and limit you. We can help you stay on track to get there. That's really the key. You can listen to podcasts all day long and you can read manuals and books all day long, but where the real value comes in is what's going to make you stay on track when it gets tough. And that's what we do. So I want to share what's worked well for me. Maybe this will inspire you. I hope that you, you can come up with some great ideas of your own and you can begin making a process toward creating a leadership style that works best for you. Here's some of my best ways of living in the leadership role. So I would have regularly scheduled meetings with each of my direct reports where we met regularly. I also had meetings with some individuals who were not necessarily just my direct reports, but whom I determined over time that it really required meetings. Either they would get a lot of value from me and that became, and I saw that as necessary, or I would get a lot of value from them or both. And so I've made, I have definitely made decisions along the way to have regularly scheduled meetings with people who aren't necessarily just my direct reports. So Depending on roles and responsibilities, it can fluctuate and adjust as needed. You make the right decisions for you. It can be cumbersome and really take on too much if you're trying to put too many meetings together on your calendar, and you certainly want it to be achievable. And you certainly want to empower your other leaders to create these relationships and meetings with their own direct reports as well. So we're not trying to get in the way of any of that. So some of these were weekly meetings. We would just have this set up every single week at the same time on the same day in the same place. Then it was recurring and we knew it. 
somewhere every other week, same situation. Some were monthly meetings, same, same time and day on the same um, every month on a recurring schedule. And I did have some quarterly meetings that I held regularly with certain individuals as well, depending on the market and where we were in our, in our process and what was happening in the market, things of that nature. So it really just depended. And side note, this did not preclude the common practice that I had. And very fortunately for me, it was welcomed in my organization where I would drop in and have a seat in their office just to catch up if I haven't connected with them in a while. Now, big full disclaimer, I don't recommend that. That is not what I'm necessarily telling you you need to do, not without careful consideration, not without being strategic in that. In other words, what I'm saying is dropping in on somebody while they're in the middle of the project is not okay. So I would go in the kitchen in the morning and grab my cup of coffee and I would wander through the halls with my good mornings and hellos. And I'd kind of have an idea of a couple of people that I wanted to make sure I connected with who I hadn't in a while. And I would kind of feel that out and see if it was a good time or not. And if it was not, I definitely didn't use that opportunity. And if it seemed like it was, I would make sure that it is first and be certain that it really was. So I would say, be very careful about that. The other time that that would open up an opportunity for me at least, or what I noticed is on Friday afternoons, I would notice that people are starting to wind down from the busy week and they're starting to talk about their weekend upcoming and their families and things they have going on. So people were kind of relaxed and ready to kind of sit down and chill a little bit. So I would many times just take that opportunity and go sit down in their offices and, and chat away. The point is these meetings can happen in any way that works for you. My only warning is that putting them on your calendar ensures they really happen. By no fault of your own, it is so easy for time to just pass without realizing it. And before you know it, far too much time has gone by and many opportunities are missed. So I highly recommend that you do have a recurring regular schedule that comes up on your calendar that you know you're going to follow and not just fit it in when you can. Because we all know if you are trying to fit something in when you can, there's never an opportunity for that. So make it a conscious choice. Now, in my mind, I always had a basic idea and agenda that I would try to incorporate with, with everyone. In other words, I want to make sure that it's not just talking about, um, you know, my coffee. I want to make sure there is value to them and value for me in spending that time with them. So always have an idea of where you want to go with this, but most importantly, just catching up on things and talking openly without the agenda or the, or the perceived agenda is the most important aspect of these meetings. And it's always best to start with personal. It's important to me that they know that I do care about them and that I recognize their people too. They have lives outside of work and that's the foundation for where we all are. And I like to set the tone for that as we go in. So I always open up with how things are going with them. What's going on at home? How are the kids? What's going on with your spouse? How's middle school going? How's the grandchildren? Whatever the situation is, it's always good to start there. And too often we rush into business and we don't recognize that we are all people and we all have stuff going on. And so just talk, 
And then I always share things about myself. I want to connect our conversations. I want them to recognize I'm human too. Many times there's so much that's unexpected that can come from these questions. For the most part, it's just easy to catch up and set the tone for talking about other things and segueing into work fairly easily. And most of the time that is the way it goes. But there's been so many times when my asking and initiating these talks has been much more unexpected and very eye-opening. There have been times when someone's opened up and, I, and they wouldn't have otherwise. I have an opportunity to help them and offer them something that can have a big impact on their life and possibly improve their peacefulness or lower their stress level. Sometimes just talking makes all the difference. We just can't underestimate that for many, work is our respite. It's our escape. It's where we believe and think that we have more control about what happens in our lives. And even though that's not true, sometimes that structure and organization and process and knowing what you have to do and being able to just do it gives you that perception of control and structure that you need that is a nice escape. So keep in mind that when somebody's opening up to you, I always saw that as such an opportunity when I know that it's because they trusted me. When somebody can open up and share something that's personal with them, they've really entrusted me with information that they likely aren't sharing with anybody else. So I truly appreciate that. And that tells me so much about how they hold me in regard in their lives. Now, once you've spent some time doing that, most of the time we do trans transition smoothly into what's happening at work. And I always ask, what are the biggest challenges that you're managing through right now? What's going on? Where are the holdups? Where are the roadblocks? Where are the bottlenecks? And where are you spending most of your time? What is taking up the majority of your time in your week? What's limiting you from being able to get the things done that are really important? What are the things you're never able to get to? And then I always ask, how have you looked for assistance to solve this problem or this challenge? What have you already done to try to overcome it? And many times, even though they may not know the answers to those questions, they also recognize that you asking that question helps them start to think about what those answers could be. So it leads to so much opportunity for discussion. Many times they haven't put a lot of thought into their answers at first. I'm very used to people being unprepared for that and there's no judgment involved with that. They just realize that they're going through the motions. They're just doing whatever is coming up in front of them and they don't really question it. So they just keep going. But once I've asked them these same questions on a few occasions, their minds begin to think this way more frequently. And over time, I've actually had associates come to me unsolicited to let me know where they see areas that there need to be improvement and where they see inefficiencies happening. So I intentionally always ask those questions so they understand that I've created a door staying wide open for this topic at all times. When they start to realize that I consistently ask these questions, they know what's important to me. They know what I'm expecting. They know how I'm going to approach the problem and the subject. And they start to think that way too. This is very intentional. 
And the fact is that once you really grow and you have many associates, multiple levels of management, you may think you know exactly how something's being done, but that is practically a guarantee that you're wrong. And you may believe that you know how someone's job is done, but it's highly unlikely that you don't. Until you spend some time with your associates, you can't possibly understand their perspective and what their day includes. So I help them with some creative brainstorming and expertise towards solving the problem together. Sometimes they're solved just like that with one answer, just like that, snap of a finger. This allows them to be, begin thinking this way themselves to resolve those things going forward. But even if they have no idea how to help fix it in that moment, and I'm unable to help them, I can easily see from my view that there's an opportunity to improve it that I can take with me to resolve in the future. So these answers are the best way to help you have a clear idea between what you want to create as the visionary of the company and all the resources you have available to you in order to create and execute that. I am so many times inspired with some of my best ideas as a result of meetings with my associates. And whether it's to make a product, provide a better service, or make an associate stay more efficient, it's always affecting my bottom line. So the last thing I always ask everyone, no matter what, not just in my little sit-downs, but if somebody comes in and talks to me about something and I, I have been chatting with them about something, I always include in my conversation some form of these three questions. What can I do for you to help you? How can I support you better? And what do you need from me? So like the previous answers, at first, most don't offer an answer to me. And that's okay. At least they know that that's how I'm thinking and that's how they need to be thinking. So when that happens, I'll tell them what I'm gonna do for them as a result of the conversation we just had. This helps them see that I always require an answer for them to take away from myself, no matter what. It's not just lip service. It's not a question that can be left blank or unanswered as optional. I will be taking away something from this conversation in order to have made this productive for each of us. And next time, this person may already know their answer before I even ask the question. Now, you don't need to overanalyze this. It's not intended to be a huge effort or project. It can be as simple as, I'll be sure to talk to the front desk about making sure they have your mail to you as soon as the mail's delivered versus the end of the day so you can do this task more efficiently going forward. Or it could be, I'm going to talk to the other department head about taking this project off of you so you can be freed up to manage this new project we have for you now. Or it might be as simple as, I'm gonna send you that link I told you about for summer camps for kids that I saw this weekend so you can get your son signed up for that. It doesn't matter what it is. The point is you are a support person. Your associates knowing, understanding, and believing that you're there to support them in an effort to allow them to be the best way, the best they can be, it's possibly the most valuable investment you can make in them. The loyalty and gifts you each receive as a result of building this type of a relationship is more rewarding than any one sale or deal that you can get in your business. This will be the lifeblood of what creates an amazing business that everyone who is a part of your business will love and invest in themselves in and enjoy for many years. And these relationships will be long lasting for you and them. Now, again, I want nothing more 
than for you to live into being your best successful leadership style that you can be. This can be such a fulfilling role when you decide in what ways you want it to be for you. Check us out, strivecoachingstudio.com. We would love to see you there. Thanks for listening. For more great tips, visit us on strivecoachingstudio.com. 